BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. All right, so I'm going to say this. I'm proud and excited to raise a black man. I'm just paranoid of things that he might face that's outside of my control. Yeah, I really feel like... Finding out that I was a black boy mom was one of the most exciting things and the most scariest things to find out at the same time. Okay, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? With your host, Malcolm and Brittany Garrison. And you're listening to Let's Talk About It. Let's Talk About It is a space where we unpack life's transitions and their effects on millennials. As entrepreneurs and millennial parents, we've navigated a lot of life transitions. And we're here to share those experiences with you while challenging perspectives and engaging in open dialogue. Y'all ready? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Look, we, let's definitely talk about this. Yeah, for sure. But, all right, so... So let me ask you because I remember when we were talking about having kids and you were like, I, I, I want a boy. I don't want a girl. I want a boy. I do. I did. Walk me through. Why did you, why do you want and why did you want just boys? Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've always foresaw, foreseen myself as a boy mom, like, I love sports. I love basketball. I played basketball. I loved going to your games, and I saw the joy on, like, your mom's face or, like, the moms that would come to, like, your teammates' games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I would always see the joy, and I was like, I love this. I want I want to be Savannah James. I tell people this all the time. Savannah <laughs> James is, you know what I'm saying? Is like, that an idol you? Is she an idol? I don't have any idols. Okay. The Lord said, thou shalt have it. no other God okay. before me. Okay, churchy. <laughs> Okay. But no, no, no. Like, like I, if, if that's somebody I say I, I look up to for sure. Like, um, as LeBron is your favorite player, does this not make sense? You no, it definitely makes sense. And it's so crazy. when I think about like my life, and the other thing was like I always wanted an older brother. Um, I am the oldest of three kids, and you know it was very difficult where you're looking for a sense of protection, protection as a daughter or a sister, and you have a little brother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at 20, 22, my brother's 22 now. At 22, he has the concept of protection now. You know what I mean? But your sisters are, my sister is about to turn 25. Right. Um, by the Damn. time this airs, she will be turning 25 tomorrow. Really? By the time this airs next week. Um, and I, I'm, I just turned 30. My, our brother's 22. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, he has the concept of understanding protection now but I always wanted that growing up to feel like you know there was somebody who was watching over me and so um in my lifetime I've always said I I want a son first because if I do have a daughter I want her to have that level of protection that I always sought after if that makes sense I got you 
and the whole thing of being like a, a boy mom and being able to um, go to his games and like all that stuff has always like just been and not that I wouldn't do it if I had a daughter that was in athletics or into cheer and all that stuff like that but I just always saw myself as a boy mom do you do you think it has a lot to do with also like provision that a boy may have over his mom like the care and level of love for sure even though I don't know women we don't know how overbearing it can be mm-hmm. um, when you first get it. But I love my son. I love, you know, the kisses. I love the hugs. I love the attachment. It can become overbearing, like I said. But, you know, it's everything that I always wanted to have. And then it's like, who is his father going to raise him to be? Like, what level of protection will I have for my son? You know what I mean? What what level of covering is he? You know, what are, what are the things that he's going to be able to do? I also wanted to see... Um, like you were very chivalrous when we met and that was foreign for me. Like to this day, I don't open my car door, um, or you'll call me single. You know, I don't (laughs) have to take all the groceries in the house or whatever, you know, and sometimes some people say that's small stuff, but I know you learned that from your dad. Like I've never seen your mom open up a door. I've never seen your mom drive long distance. I've never seen, you know, or barely drive at all. If you're, if your dad's around, she's not having to do any of those things. You know what I mean? And so it's like, how does that carry on? Because you were, you were so chivalrous and it was so foreign in my dating pool at the time that it's like, okay, where does this get lost in translation? Is it from the household? Is it based off of what, you know, people are comfortable with their friends saying or, you know, whatever. And so it's like, well, who will my husband, the man that I'm with, who I know to be, how would he raise a son? How would that level of chivalry, care, protection, respect, honor for a woman transfer now from my husband to my son? Yeah. When I when I first when you first said that we were having a boy, I was I was so happy, and I think and I think for men, I'm about to say, aren't all men like? Isn't that just your desire to raise us or have a son? Like, why is that? Can you kind of walk me through? Because we talked about this when I was pregnant, and mm-hmm. you said um, there's a different level of love between a father and a son, and a father and a daughter. Yeah, I, th- I, I just think as far as uh, if if we had a daughter, it would be to protect her from the world. But having a son is to prepare him for the world. Mm-hmm. And when when we found out that we were having a son, I was like, I'm I'm excited that one. I think we as men, we have a selfishness about it. It's like okay, my name gets to carried on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It, it gets to be uh, you know carried on generations after generation. But it was also the fact that. I get to raise a, a young man, a young black man, in a light that I feel like nowadays we're we're missing we're missing the mark on on black men being in the home and, and mm-hmm. raising uh black men and being present in their lives. Mm-hmm. So for me it was more so like I'm excited to be in his life full time. Like I like I had like right. I had my dad there. I had my dad dad there through everything, and he taught me so many things mm-hmm. that I just want that same experience for my son. Yeah, and to see you know people that honestly I've had friends that they they have single moms. You know what I'm saying? They they grew up as a with single mom, so the dichotomy is so different, and 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 their level of care for women is different too because of that. 
But I, I, I was just excited. I'm like, man, I, okay, I get to raise a black man. But like I said in my soundbite, there is a paranoia there. Right. Because sure. there is so many things that he's going to be faced with uh, when he goes through life that may be in my control, but a lot of it is going to be out of both of our control. Yeah. And I already know that you're... You're gonna. I don't know if you're gonna be overprotective. You're not overprotective. Women but, are moms are worried. Women are worriers, but moms in particular are worriers. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> on my way home today, I remember you were you were, we were on the phone and you were changing him and he was coughing and I'm like, is he okay? And you're like, he's just coughing. I'm changing his diaper and I'm like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it's 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 a even even I think even when you're married to a black man or you're dating a black man because you understand the state of the world and and our ancestry, our history, our black history, um, you know, I'm sorry. It sucks to say that sometimes when your man is gone too long, you worry about, is he coming back? Mm. So when you see, and, and it doesn't, it has no, like life has no respect of age. You know what I mean? And right. so it's having to show him how to deal with the police. It's having to show him black people, in general, we have to make sure that we're overly respectful or, you know, because you just never know what can come out of a yeah. conversation or an argument or, you know, everything like that. And so it does worry me being a black mom because you want to make sure that you're doing enough in home that makes them secure, yeah. um, that makes them knowledgeable and makes them able to be able to come home every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it, of course, as a baby, it's easier, a toddler, it's easier. But when you're able to speak and when you're going to school every day and, you know, when you go to college, when you're dealing with, you know, different types of people, when you get into the real world, when you're 20 and 30 and like, you know, you want, and then as a mom, you just want to make sure they get to 20 and 30, get to their wedding day. You know what I'm saying? It's all of those things that go through your head when you're a mother to a black son. How was that feeling? Uh, you know, cause we just came from a wedding. Uh-huh. How was that feeling when you saw the mother and, uh, and, Sundance, like I cry every what time. What came? What came over you? Explain that emotion that a mother feels like, in that moment. <laughs> I feel like when a when a mom goes to a wedding and you have a son and you see the mother son dance, it's like I I get weary and weepy every single time because it's just like oh my god I can't wait to dance with my son, but realizing that like that means my son is grown, my son is married, life has life, and I'm probably like sixty. <laughs> Jesus, dang! I didn't even think about sixty. Sixty? Are we gonna be that old? No, like fifty. He'll be twenty. Well, it depends like on fifty-five. Let's say it depends on when he actually. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like socks. if he got married at twenty-five, we'd be fifty-five. We're like fifty, fifty-four, fifty-five. Wow. Dang, that's so crazy to think about. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, it just it, it it warms my heart because I'm a mom to a son, and like I think those are like the those dances are so sweet. They're so genuine because it's literally that moment where he does leave and cleave into his wife. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a last dance at that. You know what I mean? Mm. Of course, because he's starting his family and leaving yours. You know what I mean? It's not like a loss or anything like that. But what happens when you do get married is that you are supposed to leave and cleave to your family. You go create your thing. So if if I like to have Christmas dinners at our home for our whole life and we host Christmas every time and I know you're our such kids, an entertainer too you know what I'm that. saying? Our kids are supposed to come home to this this house that we've built and that they've grew up in and bring their families and all that. But you now 
going to her in-law's house or your in-law's house or you going to, you know, y'all going to do it at y'all. You know, those things change when you have your own family. Do, you th- do y'all think about that? Is, is it like a, is it like a, not a sadness, but like a bittersweet type of thing? It's definitely bittersweet. I just saw one of my friend's mom, uh, he, he's a guy, recently married, and literally his mom put on there, like, I'm an empty nester. Like, none of my kids are here. None of my grandkids are here. Um, and I don't know what to do with myself. Like, and she, you know, married and all that stuff like that. But it's like, you build this life around your family as a mother, mm. you know what I mean? Um, and not to say that you don't want to spend your time with your, your, your spouse, but... Nigga, I built this life and I've been serving these kids for this long. Because I think there's a different level of service and care in motherhood than there is in wifehood. You know what I mean? Um, There's a different type, not level, but there's a different type. There's different things that I cater to for my husband than I do for my child. You know what I mean? But there's a lot more. You you don't think about it. You going from changing somebody diaper, you know, walking them to school. I didn't walk you to school, nigga. Like, does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. You know what I'm saying? So it is kind of like a bittersweet because you're like, I have spent all of this time building this person up for the world. Now they're in the world, and I feel like I'm left missing a piece of my world. Yeah. Because it's been, you know, with you for so long. Let's let's talk about, I, I would say, let's talk about the the presence of or the importance of having two a two-person household, you know, a you know, parent household when raising uh, your son. Do you think it's important? Have you seen differences with with young men, the young black men that haven't had that kind of dynamic growing up? I think growing up with two parents um, was good for me, but my parents were the two that came from one parent households. So I seen the dynamic of what they were trying to create based off of what they had, if that makes sense, right? So my my mom grew up with her stepfather. My dad didn't grow up with a dad at all. Mm -hmm. And so I've watched how my father was parenting or his level of presence was, you know, because you want to be there, but it also has a hue of your childhood trauma of or what you wish you had. I think when you grow up with a father... Um, in the household as a man, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when men grow up with their father in the household, they're not trying to be something. It's either you're trying to measure up um, or be half of what, you know, those posts, like if I could be half of what my father was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or you're taking, you know, there's some things that you're not going to like. That You can have an incredible father, but there's some things I'm sure that you didn't want to take from how you saw your father or what he was doing. And so I think, I think the thing is you're not trying to find the model to model after when you do grow up with that because you can see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what what happens when you're missing that is that you're trying to figure out what to do. And then for women, and this is probably a flaw, a woman's flaw, okay. is that we're not as probably gracious in that level of understanding of what he does and doesn't know, what we expect him to know because you're a dad. And I don't know if the fatherly instincts connect the same way motherly instincts do. Um, like, and I'm not saying they don't. You correct me if I'm wrong, of course. But mother instincts in, into what though? Like, I'm just saying though. Like, you at the end of the day, I don't. I didn't grow up knowing how to be a mom. But when I became one, right, everything no, yeah. changes. It's definitely the same. It's right. Definitely the same for, and so, but for what I'm saying is, are there things that you think about in raising him 
based off of how you were raised. I think I think about, you know, the first time I think about how to teach him how to protect himself, how to move uh, in the world, because th- there's going to be some things that that come his way and, w- and we'll get into that. But I think about, uh, you know, his first time, you know, with girls, I think about all these different things. Like, what am I going to be the example that I'm setting for him? So that getting up early and things like that, like I'm doing that now. Um, but I want to continue doing it because I want him to see, um, one, work ethic, discipline, and everything else. Like, I want him to see that stuff and know, like, okay, this is how I can operate if I want to get a certain result. So I think about so many different things, especially, you know, before I had him, I remember when I told you, like, yo, I didn't have health care insurance before we had our son. So I started thinking about so many different things, like how can I – one be better, but how can I look out for him in such a way that not not to take care of him when he's um when he's older, but to uh but to give him some sort of a leg up because there's so many things that out of his control he's gonna have to deal with being black. You know what I'm saying? And when I was growing up, my parents didn't let me go to the to the area school. Why is that? They they didn't they wanted to give me a better advantage in life, so they put me in all these different schools that that were either a private school or they were just way across town, but it was in a better neighborhood with better education, and people took it seriously, more serious, you know. And, and that's unfortunate, be, you know, because why can't I go to a school amongst our peers? Right. But that was in order to to give me that leg up. So I think about stuff like that, like. Am I going to have to do that for my son? And the environment that we create, does that does that dictate the type of life he'll have after he leaves our house? You know what I'm saying? Like, I've thought of, I think about that, but I also thought about what if, what if I don't set the right example? What if he resents us or me or you? You know what I'm saying? For the leg up. For the leg up, or or just in general, you know, you just never know. Yeah, you, you never mean, know the trauma that you give your kid. And that's the crazy part is like, I think understanding that we're people too, and we're learning. Um, I I I do think that as millennials, though, I think we're doing a lot more of the self work to be able to not place trauma on a child. Like one of the things that I've studied. Um, is the Montessori thing. So like, even with like the play kits and like, we try to do our best to allow him his independence as well. Like I can't fix everything for you, even though you're one, I can't do everything for you. I can't show you how everything works. I have to help allow you to critically think I have to allow you to problem solve. And, you know, sometimes you think that you're doing that too soon Mm -hmm. um, because he's a baby or like, if you fall, you are right. Yeah. Or, you know, when he's sliding off the bed and, he, you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to watch what you do versus exactly. try to, oh, my gosh, be careful, be safe. Because it's like, I don't want you. I want you to be careful. I want you to be safe. But I want you to also learn. trust yourself. I want yeah. you to learn. I want you to be fearless. I want you to be unapologetic. I want you to have it's like a it's like a double edged sword and everything. But it's like you don't know how to parent at the end of the day. We're learning how to parent every single day. hundred percent. And so it's like. How can we instill on our child that, hey, mommy and daddy need grace. 
and we got to give you grace too. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's understanding though that every day is different and we don't know what the world, the world has changed since we were children. The world has changed since we were in college. The world has changed now that I'm 30, you're 29. I'll let you hold on to it for <laughs> five more minutes. That's right. But what is, what is life going to be like when he's in high school? You know what I'm saying? Like, what can we, it's like, are we prepared for that? I would say right now, no, we're not. Like, we're not prepared because we don't know. We don't you know, know what I'm saying? We don't know where life is going to be. Even, if, shoot, he'll be, what, when do they start preschool? I think like four. At four? So he'll be he'll be going to uh, a school, an uh, actual school. He'll be around, you know, he'll be around people. And especially nowadays, it's so weird, this fickle stuff, you know. <laughs> COVID and all that other stuff, COVID babies. And, yeah. But it's like, when is the time to acclimate him to people people and peers? You know what I'm saying? He's he's around a lot of people because we're around a lot of people right now, but people his age. Like right. How, when is the right time to actually put him in, in, in a space where he's interacting with one, two-year-olds, three-year-olds? You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you don't know. You, you really don't. don't know. You kind of are playing it. By ear. By ear and play by play. Yeah. And, you know, what's being taught today, I think, is the most fearful. I think it's because you can't control what happens. Outside. You can only control what happens within your home. You can't control what the school systems are teaching. You can't control how people will treat you, uh, will treat him. Um, you can't control anything except for what you can control in your home. And so that is frightening because I don't know what happens outside of my home. Mm. I don't know what information is being. It's like it's like as kids where we all know we cussed at school heavy. Oh, you're like crazy. Then you come home and be a it's, whole other person. It's crazy how like when you come home. All it's of like you're just, like it a just nun. shut off. You, yeah, don't like, even, you don't even think about cussing. It doesn't even enter your vocabulary anymore. I don't know how that's possible. That's cool. You like after this. A whole different person. You know what I'm dog. saying? What? But it's also like how do you, it's, it's thinking about how do I create the environment to where my son is comfortable talking to his parents, mm. even if it's bad. Even if it's uncomfortable, even it's if it's like the stuff you don't think you you know what I'm saying? Like I wanna be a cool mom. Like Do you do you wanna know like do you wanna know the the stuff like like that he would tell his friends, you wanna know that kinda that kind of stuff? I want you to feel com I want you to feel safe enough to cause if something were to happen to you, I don't want you to feel so fearful that only your friends know and you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Or you're in, you know, getting into some stuff. It's like, I get it. I think, like I said, I think millennial parents, like, we done did so much stuff. We've done encountered so much stuff that yes. our parents have no clue about. But I feel like we would be comfortable telling, we're, we're way comfortable telling them as adults, and I'm sure anybody is, but it, I think we think about stuff like that. Like, can I create an environment where my children are comfortable sharing with me right. the stuff that you would normally not hear a parent to child talk about? It's not to say that it won't make me disappointed. It's not to say that I would be always excited. It's not to say that, you know, there won't be any discipline. But can you feel comfortable enough so that if anything were to happen to you or that anything was to, you know, you're in danger or you're in trouble. Like, yeah. I ain't saying buddy going to have a gambling problem and somebody trying to find you. But I'm oh like, <laughs> that's not what I'm getting oh at. But it's like, what 
to what level of comfort can we create so that you know that this is a safe space to share your emotions, your your thoughts, your mm-hmm. fears, your your joys, your everything. You know, I think as parents, do we just want to hear the good stuff, or do I want my child to be comfortable to come to me for anything? You know, I I would I would want him to be open enough and comfortable enough to say anything because I think we are like a no cut card type of people. Like we'll say how we feel exactly. Imagine how him listening to this podcast in t- in twenty years. <laughs> oh my! Oh man! Hey buddy! This, hey buddy! So sorry. You know what I'm welcome. saying? Welcome. But yeah, welcome at that. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, you're welcome, buddy. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think that we'll be judgmental because we feared being judged, and that's why we didn't talk to our parents as much. Yeah, I, I and the other thing, I don't want to, I don't want to portray perfection to him. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want him to understand that you're going to make mistakes. I've made them ten times over. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay. This is how I want to teach him how to not necessarily think, but how to how to really move and, and 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 get one results but also how to critically think yeah process process um and you know i know you be on me about the emotion thing because you know anytime he gets i'm like you're okay buddy you're all right yeah but i feel like i feel like it's okay yeah, for men to be something. emotional no express himself you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's not coddling i think like why do men consider your child, like, oh, you're just okay. Like, is he? Cause, so just because you're okay doesn't mean you don't, you can't cry, or just because you're okay doesn't mean that you can't be comforted. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, early today, so so I I want to be like on the computer, right? Uh-huh. And he's against the window, and he just starts. He was playing for like ten minutes over here, and all of a sudden he just burst into crying. Like I don't know for what reason at all. He just started bursting into crying. And I'm like, I got one or two options right now. I can say, bro, what's wrong with you? You're, you're okay. You're all right. You're all right. Or I can console him and and let him know, like, it's okay. Maybe you're missing your mom. I don't know. But something had to come over you at this point that you're bursting out into real tears. Like, so I had to, I went over there and consoled him. Like, okay, bro, you're okay. I hugged him and he was fine. He calmed down. I don't know what it was, but. It was something in that moment. I had to think like you. <laughs> That's funny. You know what I'm saying? I had to think like you. Like, okay, it's not just a you'll be all right moment. Like, it's okay to you know let them know, console them, let them know everything's gonna be okay. Which is a learning moment for me mm-hmm. because I think uh, raising raising a, a black man, raising a man in general, you you want him to be so tough, and I do want him to be tough, but I want him to be. I want them to have a healthy balance, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like I don't, I don't want you to just be this this hard nosed dude that don't have a feeling, don't ha- don't feel anything, because you're weird at that point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, bro, it's all right, calm down. You know what I'm saying? I want them to have that healthy balance, which is hard. I mean, it's really really hard if you think about it. So, so I guess my question is, how how is it growing up as a black man? Like what? What are the things that you are on high alert about for our son because you grew up as a black man? Um, I always so, I, like I tell you, you going to wake up early, get something over on me. Meaning, like I'm always looking over my shoulder. It's not that I'm paranoid. It's that I understand that some some parts of society can see me as a threat. 
and I want to I want to bring that threat to a to a halt. Like, okay, if I'm going somewhere, if I'm going out, I'm completely aware and alert of where I am, who's around me, and who's a block ahead of me. You know what I'm saying? Is that is that having that street smarts that you know, growing up in Baltimore, you had to have some street smarts because we we were around one drugs and all this other stuff. Like I was around that stuff, and my parents didn't know that. You know, my parents thought that they was in, in this great neighborhood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But when I go out and play basketball, I'm surrounded around stuff that is not conducive for any man to be grown up under you know what i'm saying but so i so one is that growing up you know i had i had this one story so it was me and my friends we had just got done playing basketball and it's like nine o'clock at night and we always uh went to the store to actually you know get something to drink or get some food and stuff like that before we went home so this particular night it's a group of like six or seven of us and we going up this hill uh, going to 7-Eleven, and all of a sudden, there's a helicopter that starts circling uh, over top of us, and then all of a sudden, that you know, that big shiny light that happens? Yeah. That big shiny light beams down on us, and all of a sudden, we see a uh, cop car swerve into another lane in the, from, the, so say the car is coming this way. Okay. Co- coming down on the opposite side of the street. He swerved, made a U-turn, and pulled up right in front of us. And put the beams and lights on us and, and everything, the sirens. Then another car comes and does the same exact thing. And now it's a car facing in front of me. There's a car, a cop car behind me. Literally three to four cop cars showed up within a matter of 10 seconds. <laughs> and then we have a helicopter over top of us. And we're like, what is going on? And they come up to us saying, uh, show me your ID. Without literally not giving Miranda rights and all that, because mm-hmm. honestly, we don't even know our rights at this point. And that's right. another thing. We got to know our rights, especially growing up as a black man. You got to know your rights and stuff like that. But they're not reading us Miranda rights. They're telling us, hey, give me your ID. What's in your What's in your book bag? Give me your book bag. So I'm handing them my book bag. But in this time, I'm having a calm demeanor. I'm nice. I'm I'm not playful. But I, I'm not too serious. I'm not posing a threat. But these are things I was taught. I was taught this. Like, I was taught how to move and act, and especially when police come, come into the situation. Right. So you don't become a threat. And I'm going, to, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why is it, why we look like we on Fox News right now? Right. And they were like, we just got word that uh, a group of kids uh, just robbed a, a a uh, gas station. So we're like, what? We didn't we didn't have anything on us. Literally, they're looking up uh, our book bags, had basketball, shoes, and stuff like that. And I'm telling the officer, like, we ain't did nothing. We ain't do nothing. We're headed to a store, you know what I'm saying, like that. And come to find out, once, we, once they let us go, once they found out it wasn't us, because this all happened within 20 minutes, they finally, they finally let us go because we was on the side of the street, like some criminals, you know what I'm saying? And right. we were not... And by the time we get to the actual gas station that we were going to, we had saw the we had dapped up like the homies that we knew. These were the dudes that actually robbed the place. Oh wow! They were our homeboys that we had no idea, and they were, they were in a group just like us. But you don't know because you're getting racially profiled at this point. Right? You know what I'm saying? So 
stuff like that. I fear for my son. He's going to experience something like this. And it's not because of the neighborhood he's in. It's because it's the color of his skin. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's you're going to have a run in some sort of how with the police or with authority. And I, I got to be able to teach him, which I am. You know what I'm saying? I'll be teaching him how to move and how to think throughout that because that could be either traumatized or you don't, or you can act out and yeah. you can get yourself killed that way. You know what I'm saying? No so facts. when that happened, I'm like, yo, this is, this is crazy. I'll never forget that. But that's part of the, the paranoia that I have with raising a black man. It's like, this stuff is out of his control and he has to learn this now. He has to learn this before it happens, um, which is, you know, on us, and you know, on our family, on, you know, his environment to teach him these things because it can't just come from us. Do you feel like, do you feel like as you elevate in life, because, you know, we, we have the, the saying and belief that the, the ceiling of your life should be a, the floor for your children. So as we've decided to ascend and elevate our lifestyle and elevate the way that our families live, um, do you feel like that's a detriment? Because, you know, when you do do this stuff, you do live in different neighborhoods and you do, you know, do better. Um, do you feel like that puts him in more danger? You know what I mean? And, and I think in some cases it can. So because in middle school, I didn't go to my I didn't go to my county school or my area school. I I went to a school that was like 30 40 minutes out the way. So every day I had to get up and catch the bus at 6 a.m. Um I had to be at the bus stop at 6 a.m. to get to school by 8. And it was going into a white neighborhood. So I'm in, I'm going to a school that's in a white neighborhood, predominantly white school. <laughs> and I'm not the of course I'm not the only black kid. Obviously there is black people that go to the school, but I am in a space where I stick out like a sore thumb. So in a sense, you're not in danger, but you but you're different. Yeah. And everyone knows it, you know what I'm saying? And this could go one or two ways. You know what I'm saying? You could be the you could be the, the person that that sticks out like a, a a sore thumb where they want to uh they want to pin, pick on you or pin you to something that you didn't do and stuff like that. That stuff can actually happen. I've seen it happen um, just from being in those type of those type of situations, those schools. So to your question, it's not it's not more dangerous, but it can be. It can be way more dangerous because you're not you're not amongst your peers anymore. You're not amongst the people that look just like you anymore. So now you got to be on your p's and q's. Yeah. You got to be that much more alert. And that much more careful um, when you're growing up, you know, in a whole different, whole different um, space. No, that makes sense. I think that's why I, I'm, I think that that was one of the main reasons why I actually went to the school we went to is because I need, it's like I knew in the real world, Britt, like you're not about to be around all these black people. That's not real life. Yeah, exactly. This and somebody said, life. somebody thought that was crazy for me to say, like, I went to a PWI because I, I, now I wish I went to an HBCU. Like, yeah, if I had to run yes. it back, when we like, I definitely back, wish man. I went to an HBCU for <sighs> sure. And not just for the, the the people, but more so for the culture, for the experience. But one of the reasons why was understanding that I didn't actually know how to deal with other people, other races, other situations when you are the minority. Because in the real world, we're the minority. Mm-hmm. And so I... I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, whatever you want to call it, I had to insert myself in a place to understand that world versus just, um, 
you know, just feeling like, oh, well, this is what we do and this is how we do. Like my mom was the, 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 the poor black kid, the project kid that was in a newspaper of having the great grades and getting the full ride to the PWI. Right. You know what I'm saying? So one, I did have a lot to live up to. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where my family comes from. You know what I'm saying? My dad was the first in his whole family. He's the youngest of seven kids. He's the first to ever go to and graduate from college. You know wow, what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, my aunts, um, my uncle, my mom, all her siblings went to school, got masters, all that stuff like that. They did that. So this all derives from my grandmother growing up and them growing up in the project. So it's like, what do I, I have to do something because my, my family fought for this. You know what I'm yeah. saying? My family, my mother was not supposed to be at Vanderbilt University in the freaking uh, <laughs> 80s. I don't know, 90s. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know what yeah, that the, was, yeah. the 80s, early 80s. She's not supposed to be there. You know what I'm saying? You're not supposed to go to Tennessee State University at that time and get a master's degree and be the head of this and the head of that for the government. Like, you you don't, that's Mm -hmm. not where we're supposed to be. And so I understood that that's where my parents were. But do I actually know? Because we grew, I, I grew up. In in a black neighborhood, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like, do I know how I'm going to live my life now? Luckily, I was that we became entrepreneurs and were able to create our lifestyle. But I worked for the government for five years before this, right? You know what I'm saying. And so, um, it's it's trying to figure out like how much of a leg up or like what are you doing? Is it a disservice? Is it an advantage? What are we doing? You know what I'm saying. But I will say shout out to black people, black millennials. Um, you know because I do feel like a lot more of us are are focusing on generational wealth from building it for ourselves to be able to we're creating more of a community than just being able to move into a community. Does that make sense? Like yeah. we have millennial. You know, people, I mean, we're 30 now, so, you know, a lot of us are, you know, late 20s and early mid-30s now, but yeah. we're creating communities versus, just, it's not just one of us that's rich, like, it's not one of us that's getting wealthy, one of us is a multimillionaire, it's it's now becoming a collective of people. Yeah. So now we're raising our families in that space together. One, so there is their own support, but there's a community. So I will say shout out to black people, shout out to black millennials, because I think <laughs> we are really changing things too yeah changing to where the they to where we're not the minority in those spaces to not being the sore thumbs or the the people sticking out because we're different because there's now a communal based situation have you seen like a difference in going back to like being in the home and seeing having the dynamic of two people uh in a home because we already know systematically like men would men were taken out of the homes in the 60s and 70s uh you know, by incarceration, mass incarceration. So that was on purpose to one. Now you have so many single mothers raising black men and raising men uh, when they shouldn't have had to do that alone. But that created a whole whirlwind of, I don't want to say like the same thing happening in the next generation, but essentially it's like broken homes. Now it becomes a thing. You know what I'm saying? It, this it, poverty and stuff like that becomes a thing, and that's where it starts from. It's systematically done. But have you seen a difference in a man how he one treats a woman or thinks uh, when he's raised by just a woman without a man in the house? I've definitely seen the difference. I've definitely seen the difference for sure. What um, have you seen that's that's been different? In, in dating men that had grown up with just their mother. Um, the difference is the level, it's like you care about your mom, but you don't know how to care for a woman. Does that make sense? Like you, you love your mother that like 
sons are going to kill for their mom. Yeah. But just because you would kill for your mother doesn't mean that you would treat a woman differently right. because you weren't able to see the dynamic of relationship versus the dynamic of a mom and a son. You know, that's a parent mm. to child relationship versus how she would re uh, how she her dynamic with another with a man. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is when now she's dating and you're experiencing different people, well now what is the visual that you're getting? And this is not no shade or nothing like that, but that's what I've my personal experience is like, well some of the guys are that and it might not even be dating, some of them are just friends. When when I look at that as well, what I also have seen is like you're okay with running through multiple women because you saw your mom with multiple men. Mm. Deep. You know what I'm saying? Like you always saw people in and out, so it doesn't necessarily feel. It, and and it kind of sounds crazy because it was her, not them. But if you always see a man around, what do what what do you what does it show you? Yeah, it's it's like you don't see. You don't see a long term. It's not even that. It's also the consistency and the 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 understanding that making relationship choices and being with somebody in marriage and dating, uh, whatever, is a daily choice. It's a it's the same way we talk about dying to flesh daily or you yeah. know to serve right. Christ. Yeah. You have to die to yourself daily to be in a marriage. Like you are choosing service on a daily basis. You're not choosing you know to just be around somebody. You have to choose to love this person. You have to choose to care for this person you have to choose to respect them yeah. and so if that's not something that you see you know what i'm saying it's something that you might be taught but if it's not what you see then how can you operate moving past that and so that's you know kind of the dynamic that i've seen um you know from personally dating or for for some friends of mine the difference i saw with you because you had you were the first person i ever had been with that had grew up in his house in a household with the father really wow what i also noticed from that is a lot of your friends are the same way when I look at your closest friends, y'all all have the same family dynamic. So the way that y'all treat women, and then of course, now this is not to say, you know, disclaimer, all these guys have been men before. And what women don't talk about mm -hmm. is, you know, when when I was inquiring about you and fr people were saying, oh, he get around or he messed with this girl, he messed with that girl. And I'm like, but he's single. Like, what am I going to do about that? That has nothing to do with me. How is he in a relationship? Right. Oh, when he with somebody, he with them. <coughs> <laughs> this call. <coughs> Jesus. <coughs> Jesus. <coughs> you okay? You want some water, baby? No spit flew down my throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> say, but now to get back to life on this. <laughs> but shit, I don't forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> you say that when I when I'm in a relationship, I'm oh in yeah. So when he's in a relationship, he's in a relationship. I'm like, all right, cool. So you know how to treat somebody because of the dynamic you've seen in something, and and then it's also like. Knowing that you grew up with sisters, it's not even just the mom and dad. It's like, how does he treat the women in his family? Mm -hmm. Men are generally protective, mm -hmm. but there's a different level of respect that I've seen amongst men that have a a good example in front of them. I could, I could, I could agree. I could agree. Uh, I think it's because we we've seen commitment. That's the word I was. Looking and that's for. the hard part. Like. If a if a man is is really if he's taken back or or not even privy to commitment, 
is probably because he's never seen somebody commit to somebody else. Like he's never seen somebody commit to a woman. Now, as a as an advocate, I don't like the devil's advocate thing, but a different perspective is it okay. also can be too much pressure on a man if he does grow up with a man with a father in the household because up. you feel like or the commitment is like imagine seeing like you see your dad with your mom for 50 years, 30 years, 20 years. And now, and now every relationship, especially as we get older, the older you get, the more like commitment it has to be. It's like I know because I know the girls that I that I have that are friends, you know, friends that are my, my female friends. It's like if they're not married, if they're not engaged, they're all, all their mindsets are on the next person I date. I need to be like it has to be marriage minded. Right. And so the older y'all are getting, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's like if you notice how women are thinking, you're and you grew up with a father in the house, you probably thinking like, nigga, this is a real commitment. Like you probably think every woman you date, because you know most women are marriage minded, especially as we get older, Mm -hmm. that I know I'm going to have to be with this girl for the next 20 years and I might not be waiting for 20 years. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because we were just having a conversation. We went back to school for homecoming with one of our friends and I'm like, well, from the base of the conversation where he's like, I don't really know if I'm ready to commit. Yeah. But it's like, you grew yo, I know your daddy. Yeah, yeah. And true. your parents are still married. So that's what made me think about it was that conversation. Just now I thought back to that conversation and it's like, although you you know commitment, you your parents are still married. Right, you know what I'm saying. You grew up with him in the household. Nothing has changed. But it, is that also a detriment to now, as a black man, see the commitment and feel like that's too much pressure? It it, it could. I could see how you. I I could see how you would think that because now it's like, do I gotta live up to how my dad is or how my dad was with my with with my mom? And sometimes that, that could be a pressure there. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can be the husband that my dad was. or You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. It's always the comparison thing. And that's why I said it because I don't want it to sound as if because you don't grow up with a father. Because I know men, my father's a great a great husband, a great father. Yeah. And he didn't grow up with one. And, and he didn't I have the example. It, it motivated him to be. So it's you know like what I'm saying? That's both aspects thing. of them. Having one, not yeah. having one. It's, it's your response to that. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because there are some men that... Don't grow a father, and that is your motivator to this is how I wish I this is what I wish I had. You know what they talk about, you know, in leadership or in entrepreneurship, or it's like be the leader that you wish you had, or be the mentor you wish you had, and be the yeah. you wish you had. And so it's like, is it for that man now? I'm trying to be what I wish I had, the version that the person that I wish I had. Or we was watching yeah. the uh Kev on stage and Kirk Franklin Joe, and he was talking about he was so playful with his children because yeah. he never got a chance to have a play a father. So now it's like my wife feel like I'm a kid because I'm playing too much because I wish I had a dad. Yeah, that did that when I was. You know yeah, what I'm saying? So I'm I trying to that. be what I wanted to have. So and so I think they're both as both aspects. Like one is not better than the other. One does not have more pros, and one does not have more cons. Because I do think that having a father, do, uh, having a father that you grow up with, could provide way too much pressure, or you might not. You might value commitment so much more that I, you can't just play. I would be interested in seeing these statistics behind, like somebody that grew up with or without a father in the home, and seeing like their their. Um, I guess their mar- the marriage rate, the success rate yeah. of marriage and stuff like that. But I also think um, I want to prioritize values to my son and honoring women because I think that's also missing. Uh, I think 
right now we're in the we're in a time where we're not valuing each other enough. Yeah. Black men aren't valuing women and, and, and black women ain't valuing men uh the same as they used to. And I think that's gonna be the most important. It's like, bro, this woman this woman can give life to somebody one day. Or this is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's mother. You know what I'm saying? Like honoring the fact that y'all are different but are important and and bring so much value to your life that I don't need no this I don't need no women a woman culture or I don't need no man culture is crazy to me because you do you're going to need somebody you need a companion you need somebody that's in your corner and typically it's the person that you're closest to you know what I'm saying yeah no that's real so I I want to prioritize values in his life like bro understanding discipline and having discipline because somebody asked me that before like how have you how how do you stay with your woman so long? How have you stayed with your woman so long? I said, bro, it's discipline. Love's a choice. Marriage is a choice. Yeah. Love, you know, it, love can get you all, all but so far. It's also having discipline and understanding, honoring my woman, understanding that this is my best friend. I would never want to hurt my best friend. Yeah. I would never want to do anything to my best friend that I wouldn't want to have done to me. And that's, I think was missing in our culture right now too mm. and and teaching him that that value principle what do you feel like what do you feel like excites you most because i know i know there's so much fear in what the world can bring him mm-hmm. but what excites you the most about raising a black boy black man raising somebody that a value you know what i'm saying raising somebody that a, a good person uh, having somebody one carry your name, and hopefully he plays a sport. He plays the sport that I love, <laughs> which is why I said that sometimes it's it's a selfish thing, but it's also to to know that okay, my genes are in somebody that literally you can see their personality sometimes in you. Yeah. Like I get excitement in seeing that. Like yo, he has the same personality as oh me or you. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> when he was on the dance floor at the wedding. Yeah, going crazy. I'm like just like you. I'm like stuff like that excite me, and the opportunity, I think is I think it's a badge of honor, and it's a, I think it's an opportunity to formulate some not not formulate somebody's uh, thought process, but but bring a, a a a person into this world that brings value to this world. Yeah. I take pride in that. Like, and it's my son. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy that it's what we've always wanted. We wanted a boy. You know we what did. I'm saying? And God blesses with a boy. And to, to have that, I'm excited. I'm excited to be, a da- you know, to continue being a dad. Yeah. I think when you talk about the mother-son dance at the wedding, I, I, I'm excited about hearing his wife's family talk well of how he was raised. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a, he's a, you know, that they're elated to have him take mm-hmm. their child, you know, take their daughter and, and create a family with her. You know what I mean? I think that it shows a testament to who we are and, and the, like you said, the values that you instill. Like I, I like, I love the personality and who he will become. And like you said, what value He'll bring the world because I think we're focused right now so much on purpose yeah. and what mm-hmm. value we bring to the world. And so it's making sure that 
we show him that you have purpose and there's something within you that God gave you to be able to give and, you know, serve people in this world and what that's going to be and how can we help you cultivate it? How can we can help you be that? And what can we, what can we take from what we've learned in the last 10 years together Man. and help you accelerate these processes? I'm pretty sure we're on life lessons at this point. It's giving life lessons. It is giving life lesson. <laughs> Do you have one? I I think that's what it is. It's like it's 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 fearful, but it's there's so much joy in, in creating a person. You know, um, we have so much opportunity. I think millennials are changing the world. I think we're changing the way our children are raised. I think we're creating more well-rounded people. Um, both boys and girls, I think we're creating well-rounded people who are able to think for themselves, that are able to speak up, that are comfortable with um, not controversy, but being confident and sharing opinions. And it's okay if they differ. It's okay if they're not the same. And it's okay for us to uh, agree to disagree. It's okay for us to uh, compromise and grow. I think we're we're so focused on those things. We're focused on being purposeful. We're focused on um, service. And I think because millennials... uh, are focused on that as individuals right now, we're going to make the best. We, I'm not saying that any other parents are bad, <laughs> but I think we're going to shape uh, a different generation as parents and the next generation of, of our children are going to live life differently because of the work that we have put in. Yeah, no, I agree. I think my life lesson is not to save him, but to prepare him always. Uh, prepare him for... The life ahead, prepare, and and it's not in a bad, bad way, in in good ways, in good ways too. You know what I'm saying? Just prepare him for, uh, one to be to be a young man in the world that brings value, uh, to be a husband one day, to be a father one day, um, if he wants to be that. You know what I'm saying? And and not putting a label on him, and that's the whole thing. Like that's that's the part of it is like not trying to sh- shape you into what I want you to be. But allowing you to be your own person, uh, and find your find your way through life, but also be your guide, be your help, and uh, and teach him the things that have been taught to me through my father, the values, the, uh, you know, how to change the tires, all the things, you know, what I'm saying, just the little things that 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 help you become uh, a man in society uh, going forward. So it's to prepare him, not 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 to save him. Not every day, at least. I'll be there to save him. Every time. Whenever he needs me, every time. Every time. But my job is to prepare him. I love that. So, I love him. I love you. I love I, you, too. You know, and, and, and here's the thing, like, because I tell you all the time, I say, thank you for giving me my son. Thank you for birthing my son. Thank you for being the mother to my son. Because... So many men get it wrong, and they wish they could go back. Mm. So many men choose the wrong partner, and they wish that they could change it. You know, and it's not that they wish they didn't have a child; they wish they just had it with somebody else. And I'm, I like to honor you because I knew I was having children with the right person, mm. with the right human being, with the right thought process, with everything, and. I'm so glad that you're the mother of my son. And we get to do this thing together. Thank you, baby. You're welcome. So, I love you. I love him. Let's go see our son. This has been another episode. This has been...
It's been a good one. This has been another episode. A good one. Good conversation. Uh, great conversation. And uh, hopefully somebody learned or be able to, yeah. to have a conversation too. I love it. Well, listen, we love you guys. We appreciate y'all. Don't forget. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm your host, Brittany Garrison. You can follow me at Brittany Donnell. And you can follow me, uh, Malcolm underscore Garrison, two underscores Garrison. And you can follow the show at So Let's Talk About It Podcast. And uh, don't forget to uh, like, share, subscribe, rate. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Yes. Because we about to take this thing to another level. We out. See y'all on the next episode. See y'all. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.